Welcome to the Everyone Has a Story podcast presented by the Business and Education Alliance, where students' talents, interests, and aptitudes can be connected to the dynamic world of work. Welcome, teachers and students, to another episode of Everyone Has a Story, hosted by the Pikes Peak Business and Education Alliance. My name is Bob Gemignani. I am very pleased today to have with us Jenny Lunning. Jenny is a counseling intern at Into Freedom Counseling. Jenny, thank you so much for donating some of your time today to speak into the lives of the next generation. Thank you for having me. So Jenny, let's get right to it. Think back to uh, just a few short years ago, perhaps when you were in middle <laughs> school or in high school. Did you have any thoughts back then about like what kind of job you wanted to have when you grew up? Yes, I was very, uh, from a young age, very sure that I wanted to be a teacher. Um, I think a big part of this was my mom was a teacher. She was a stay-at-home mom um, when I was young, but then went back to teaching when I started in high school. Um, but as each of us have experienced, one of the biggest role models in my life was the elementary school teachers that that I um, was a student of. And so this, because it was modeled to me, because I liked, um, you know, really thinking of just teaching, which I still love, even though it did not become my um, final career um, point. Well, who knows where my final career point is, but my current career point. Um, that was modeled to me, and, and I really thought that I would you know, really enjoy teaching others. I can remember as a small child lining up my dolls and stuffed animals and, um, and essentially like teaching them uh, in my room. Uh, so a lot of my thoughts were focused on this is what I'm going to do um, career-wise. Thanks for that, Jenny. And before we started the interview, we talked a little bit about this, about uh, how careers get modeled to us. And the, the mission of the Pikes Peak Business and Education Alliance to help students connect their talents, interests, and aptitudes to the economic landscape. Um, interviews mm -hmm. like this with you being a um, emerging mental health professional, uh, many students don't have these careers modeled to them. So your, your interview here is very important to help expand students' career interests. Yeah. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. and. Um, really did follow the only model I had. Uh, my, my dad is a computer engineer, but maybe like most kids whose dad goes off to work all day, I couldn't tell you what he did. Um, so that I, I never really had a hands-on opportunity to, uh, to see what that was like, regardless of the fact that really my skill set was more um, akin to my father than my than my mom. Um, I was much more drawn to science and math, um, but I didn't know how that would be applied in real life um, in a job, uh, which sounds crazy, but really looking back, I didn't have any role models that were showing me where that could go. So it was teaching kind of was just the thing. And I would say in middle school, I also honestly was not thinking, where is this going? Which is possibly another part of the issue in our culture is it was just about, you know, I didn't care about getting good grades because 
um, that was just a part of what was instilled in me. And I really liked the intrinsic value of getting a good grade and pleasing my teachers. That was just my personality. But I was not thinking I'm going to take this class and learn skills that will help me for the rest of my life. It was just checking boxes on um, getting good grades. And if you're in middle school or in high school, you also know and are very familiar with the pressures of those stages. And I think that overrode any future. It was just, I need to get through this time of my life. Jenny, what was your first ever paid job? So my first ever paid job um, was called Picnic People. And I grew up in San Diego where the weather is pretty um, temperate all year round. And so this was a catering company I believe that I was 15 or 16, and it was a friend's mom who had started this company probably five years prior. And it was uh, for corporate um, companies to have huge picnics for their staff. So it would be a picnic that would serve, you know, 200 to 1,000 people, depending on the venue. And I did all sorts of things to making cotton candy, to setting up games for kids, to um, preparing food. Um, and the catering kind of became a theme in my early jobs. I worked for another catering company that actually um, catered to rich and famous in, in La Jolla. And that was a really fun experience. And then worked at a restaurant um, for seven years through, through college in La Jolla. So a lot of food service. And that sort of matches a lot of the experience of many of the interviews we've done with career representatives in our community, where I would say, gosh, probably three quarters of our interview candidates' first jobs were either in retail or restaurant and hospitality. So there you go. Yeah. Well, welcome to the cool club <laughs> of first jobs. <laughs> yep. Yep. A lot of great skills learned there. Uh, not the least of which is humility and food service. So that's always <laughs> that's a good right. thing. <laughs> Jenny, yeah. when you were in high school, um, did you have any access to work-based learning or experiential learning programming, much like the Pikes Peak Business and Education Alliance is bringing to our schools, where you had the opportunity perhaps to have a career representative come into a classroom to talk to you about jobs in those industries or to go on site visits to local businesses or to do a job shadow or an internship? Did you have access to any of that? And if so, did you take advantage of that? Um, you know, if I did, I did not know about it um, or didn't take advantage of it. I did end up interning as a student teacher in high school um, solely because my mom had restarted her elementary um, teaching career when I was a sophomore in high school. And so she knew my desire to pursue that and basically asked if I could intern in her classroom and then some of her colleagues' classrooms. So I did do that in high school. Um, but again, it was kind of the only open door because of, of my mom. Um, it was not facilitated by my high school. It was more just signed off on um, by them. All right, Jenny. So um, you're going to get the floor here for a little while to lay out your journey uh, about uh, initially wanting to be a teacher 
and now moving into uh, being a mental health clinician. Uh, we're interested to hear that pivot and you'll have the floor for as long as you need. If you could try to pay some particular attention, Jenny, as you lay out that path from high school to today about how perhaps you uh, inventoried your aptitudes and your interests as you made choices about your education and different types of roles or jobs that you would take. Uh, so the floor is yours for as long as you need it, Jenny. Thank you. Yeah, so I went into college um, and declared my major as a freshman, which I think is um, to the, the point of this interview very rare. Um, and because it was the only thing that was modeled, I, I kind of tunnel visioned that pretty, pretty quickly. Um, I do have to say in retrospect, uh, I do believe that nothing is wasted and that all the things that I have done have contributed to where I am. Um, so I went in as an elementary education major to college. And as I went through those classes, I think that was the beginning of my realization that I'm not all that interested in some of this. Uh, a lot of the classes, and maybe that's what you're talking about, Bob, was kind of um, beginning to filter through what resonates with my gifts and what kind of feels like either I'm not great at this or I'm not super interested or challenged by it. Um, there was a lot of that with elementary ed. Um, I think I learned lots of good skills, but there was a lot of it where it was just very easy um, and not in a great way, kind of in a way of, yeah, I, I get what you're saying and I don't really need a whole lot of uh, structure around how to read a book to a child. Um, there were other things that, that were challenging that were, you know, a part of the um, really basic education that you have to do in college and that don't have to do anything with your major and I realized in some of those subjects I was much more engaged than some of my elementary ed focused classes um, for instance I had a psychology uh, you know a foundational psychology class that I just loved um, that I read every page of the textbook um, that I went and found more resources to just how much it resonated with me um, just the inner life of people and just how our minds work, how we're formed um, developmentally. And so um, there was more of that that I began to focus on education and kind of the development of, of child psychology because that seemed to, to dovetail with, with um, education. I actually went on then to get a minor in psychology because I was so interested in that. But I would not allow myself to think of that as a full um, career. And, and it's funny to think back on now. I don't know why. I think a part of it was that, that modeling piece that was missing. Um, but I became a mentor uh, for other, uh, when I was a sophomore and, um, or sorry, a junior and a senior in college, I became a mentor for um, that foundational psychology class because they needed upperclassmen to, to mentor. Um, the incoming freshmen. And that was probably my most fond memories um, of college, is really getting to dive in and walk alongside um, younger college students. 
So from there, I went straight to get my teaching certificate um, and then began my first job in an elementary school that was connected to the church that I was attending. And I think it was in the course of, of doing the teaching, which I ended up doing for about five years, that I began to recognize the pieces that I really loved and the pieces that felt like I was just going through the motions. Um, what I really loved was one-on-one -on -one with kids, uh, especially when, we, when it got down to why they were struggling, not so much because they didn't know the math facts or the sounds of letters, but because you know they needed encouragement. It, it became a psychological thing for me of how do I encourage these kids and really realizing that it is um, their mental health that allows them to even learn uh, what I'm trying to teach. I also realized um, that I loved teacher work days. I loved when um, I got to present things to other teachers or even give, um, you know, back to school nights with parents. And something that uh, made me realize that this was rare is I talked with some other colleagues and they would dread these days. They don't like talking to adults. They only like talking to children. And I just remember thinking then that's curious that this is really, you know, one of my highlights. So it was things along the way like that. Um, and then a part of, of the redirect of my career was having children. Um, so my, my daughter Hadley was born uh, when I was in my fourth year of teaching. And in between that time, we had moved from California to Colorado and I had re-upped all of my certification because I was still sure this was gonna be a job for me. Um, once I had Hadley, I worked for a couple more years and then had my son trip. And then it became kind of an untenable position to try to, to teach and, um, and take care of my, my family. So I stepped out of uh, the you know, official employment world and into full-time motherhood, um, let's see, that was in 2010. Um, and throughout this time, my husband and I had been very active in a ministry called Young Life. And what Young Life essentially does is walks alongside high school kids and individually encourages them um, you know, to know Jesus, but also to just know that they're loved by an adult. And through that process of mentoring and having much more time for that when I stepped down from teaching, I was with high school girls uh, three times a week at least. Lots of one-on-ones, uh, lots of talks about, um, you know, family life struggles that maybe some of you are, you know, walking through right now of just surviving in middle school and high school. Uh, and I loved it. I didn't know um, how much I loved it until I did it uh, to the point of, of, of training and exposure. Once I got the chance to really sit and basically counsel high school girls, I realized this is, this is really big for me. Um, also in having my children, I, I struggled with postpartum depression and I had never experienced depression prior to that or, or at least maybe not recognized the intensity that it took in that season. So another piece of my story is 
I needed myself to seek mental health counseling. Um, I went into that with a lot of uh, preconceived notions about uh, what that would be like and, and really feeling a block to some shame around that. I think my parents don't see much value in, in mental health counseling. They may now, but it was not modeled to me um, at all that you would go to counseling. So I went in thinking this is going to be, you know, really hard for me to kind of overcome talking about this really hard inner struggle. I was delighted to find a counselor that is continues to be my counselor to this day. I've been seeing her for eight years now, and she really helped to draw out from my story um, my strengths and to help me realize that a part of what I was going through was um, really shifting my life down to, you know, the daily tasks of motherhood and, and that that's challenging for anyone. But um, I also did need medication for a bit. I think I was exposed personally um, to this field uh, of really how psychopharmacology and, and talk therapy uh, dovetail wonderfully. So that was a big, a big shift for me, being a young life mentor, being in my own counseling. Um, and then uh, through that, I had a living, breathing model of what that looked like because my counselor, I think still to this day, now being exposed to many more counselors, she is um, very special um, in the way that she approaches counseling. And I really saw in her something that, that, I, could, that I could do. Um, she encouraged me uh, to seek out further education to explore um, what I would like, you know, whether I would like to do that. Um, she also encouraged me to open um, kind of my own private practice of, of coaching uh, because you can do that with limited amount of licensure because she wanted to expose me to it uh, to make sure that it was something that wasn't just a fun idea, but that I would find um, engagement there and, and be able to have the skills uh, to step into that profession. So I decided to go back and get my master's. By then I had had my third um, child, my son Hoyt, and he was 10 months when I began my uh, graduate program. I also decided, uh, my husband and I decided together that I would take a very slow track because I'm, I'm aware of the irony of uh, getting a mental health degree and in that process ruining the mental health of your own family so I did take that very slowly um, but in the meantime I was still doing the things I mentioned um, coaching and also mentoring high school girls that have now become themselves uh, young married women some with children and getting to walk through with them uh, first babies and and getting to you know talk through how that was for me and so that really was the redirect um, that happened for me. Jenny, that's awesome. Um, I was so curious to hear how you went from um, being, you know, um, primary educator to uh, the mental health counseling field. And, you know, 
looking at it from today, looking back in contrast, it makes complete sense <laughs> how you ended up getting exposed to these different jobs. And um, what we really appreciate is how uh, many professionals like yourself end up walking the mission of our organization um, throughout their career, right? So, and we're always going to be lifelong learners and we never right. know what's coming tomorrow. But yeah. as we were talking uh, prior to starting the interview, what we're attempting to do is to really help push some of this career exploration and this intentionality of decision-making about how we connect ourselves, not just to the world of work, but to the world in general. And mm -hmm. what are our gifts and talents and what do those mean for my future, right? So we're, to the extent possible, these interviews really and these journeys that are being laid out are hopefully really helping students figure out where they see themselves in the world of work and where they see themselves in the world in general. So thank you for, for sharing that. It's, it's really, uh, really very interesting how you kind of navigated your way to the point where you're at today. Yeah, and I, you know, on that note, do remember teaching and to your point of where do we fit in the world? What, what do we value? Uh, what is our work? I remember just not being concerned at all that kids learned how to read. I wanted them to be seen and to be encouraged and to be mentally um, healthy. So it's funny now looking back to, yeah, even if I, if I had had leadership and guidance in that stage to see this might not be the right place for me because it isn't exactly what um, my work is and my, what resonates and engages me. And for, you know, students watching this interview, um, if you've watched multiple career interviews at ppbea.org, you are seeing this trend where, um, there, there's a curiosity and an intentionality that, that these adults are communicating. Some of them had to learn how to be curious and intentional after high school. Um, and that's okay, Definitely. right? As you mentioned, you know, everything happens for a reason. You know, you were a teacher for a reason for five years. Um, and all of that kind of played into the experience that you needed to gather to bring yourself mm -hmm. where you are today. So thank you so much for that, Jenny. That, that's really yeah. good stuff. What would you say is the biggest single challenge you have faced in your, um, in your journey? Um, and how did you overcome that challenge? You know, I think what springs directly to my mind is there is some sort of a feeling that you can't make a mistake or that you can't explore because you've got to be sure. Um, I'm not quite sure what, how to explain it other than I didn't feel free to, to look into other things. It felt like, well, I should already know. And I think that's a bit of, of a cultural thing too, of um, you know, kids having to know what they're gonna do right out of the gate without exposure. I, I needed to give myself the freedom to explore other things. And like you said, Bob, I think it's curiosity, but it's also an intentionality that I think you're trying to, to encourage is 
why not ask someone, can I come and shadow your job? Um, and to the point of what we had talked about prior to the interview, I find that people are very willing to share what they've learned. They're very willing to share their wisdom in that. But I definitely had a block. And I don't know if it's like pride um, that I didn't know what I was doing. But of course, I wouldn't with a career I didn't know about. But there was a hold back to go a different direction, um, maybe even from what I had seen, from what my mom had done. Um, it just felt very scary and unknown. And so overcoming that looked really um, like broadening my horizons and trying. Uh, I, I can see, you know, the ways that I really went for teaching and I don't think that it was a fail. It was more just the accepting the lifelong learner thing that, um, well, I didn't quite hit it right on the head with this career, but I, I, I don't want to just be, um, I guess, stay at that place. And that's another thing I think I've seen now that I am 40 is there are quite a few people that because they don't feel the freedom to explore and change and grow, they feel very stuck in, in what they initially chose that might not fit them. Um, so I, I think that would be the challenge is, is the pride of just overcoming um, needing to, to learn things I didn't know. Thanks for that, Jenny. And students, again, you're, you're hearing um, uh, in another way um, that we don't have to have it all figured out. Yeah. Um, I, I've heard a saying, Jenny, maybe you've heard this before, um, but uh, try not to compare your insides with other people's outsides. And I think yeah. for young, young students, um, they perhaps look at adults like, oh my gosh, these people have their act together. I need to have mm -hmm. my act together. When the reality yeah. is, when the insides of the adults that we're interviewing are, oh my gosh, I had no clue. Right. Right. I really right. didn't need to have it all figured out. I put undue pressure on myself to make decisions mm -hmm. before I needed to, because I yeah. thought I needed to have it all figured out. But the truth is, most of the adults that we've interviewed, Jenny, including yourself, um, you know, we th there's this sense that we need to go easier on ourselves when we're younger, um, and we need to go through what we go through to figure that all out. Yeah. Yeah, there's such a drive to arrive, um, and it just is an elusive goal for sure because it's all the learning and getting getting comfortable with being learners um, and not having to have it together. Jenny, let's talk a little bit about influential people in your life. Uh, this can look like perhaps people that have spoken into your life in a meaningful way, you know, whether you were younger or in, in your, you know, mid-career now, or uh, somebody that you might characterize as a mentor to you. Uh, you mm -hmm. kind of talked a little bit about your uh, uh, licensed counselor that you've been seeing. Do you want to give any shout outs to folks that have uh, had a meaningful inspiration for you? Yeah, I've had numerous teachers uh, growing up. Um, one in particular was an English teacher that I had in high school. And it was one of those early glimpses into um, her really seeing uh, 
something in me that had never been fostered before, which is like creative writing that I still enjoy. Um, so she was one that really pushed me in that, in that arena and really believed in me. And I felt so comfortable with her that I was able to write papers that were more focused on my inner life, which I'd never done before. And to have her really encourage me in that was very important. Um, so she's, she was big for me. I had um, a field hockey coach uh, in high school who was the one that introduced me to the college that I ended up going to. Uh, and so that was just kind of a really fun happenstance. Uh, and then a girl named Lindsay, who um, I met waitressing, she uh, was the one who led me to Jesus. Uh, I had grown up in faith, uh, but had never really been interested, honestly. Uh, it felt a lot like rules and regulations. And she was the first one in my life who I looked at her life and thought, you have something that I don't have. And it was really a deep-seated joy and peace, um, regardless of her story at the time being very similar to mine. Um, with our struggles. Uh, she had similar circumstances and yet lived in a peace and joy that I hadn't, hadn't known before I met her. So she was very big in that aspect of my life. Um, and then I've had uh, other mentors, really mom figures. My mom is one of them. Um, she really uh, showed me the humility piece. She is someone who um, does not care in the best way about what other people think, which growing up in Southern California and having her as a mom was a real gift because the culture there was not that way. Uh, so she just encouraged me to, um, to really, you know, love, love myself regardless of, of outward feedback. So that was big. And then I've had two kind of uh, mother figures in Colorado since we've moved out here and some of their role has been simply encouraging me um, in motherhood and in that season that was so hard when my kids were little and the days felt so long um, just to give me perspective and to root me on and um, to take my kids when I needed that and um, yeah I think those are the biggest ones. Thank you for that Jenny. Um, what would you say to your teenage self, knowing what you know today, Jenny? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think it's similar to what you had mentioned with uh, grace, uh, with really flexibility and not having to know everything right now. I think uh, when I was a teenager and well into my early adult life, I realized that I used um, shame and stress and anxiety to motivate myself, uh, negative self-talk. So I would get down on myself because then it would motivate me to do better. Um, however, it, I've realized as an adult, that's a very costly mechanism. And I wish that I had learned that sooner. Uh, and I also strongly believe that the way that you talk to yourself and the way that you treat yourself is how you will treat others. So if I, as I've learned that grace and flexibility internally, 
I know that that flows out to others and I can see um, in them that there's more to the story than them making a mistake uh, and, and flexible thinking, I guess, to, to my, own, my own life and, and that of others. Thank you, Jenny. Um, let's talk a little bit about where you are today. Um, and in part two of our interview, we'll learn a lot more about what you're doing today. But uh, what is Into Freedom Counseling? What is your role there? Uh, who's your mi what's your mission and who are your customers? Yes, so Into Freedom Counseling is a group of counselors, uh, some of which are LPCs, which uh, stands for Licensed Professional Counselor. Um, I think actually there's also a licensed social worker, uh, very similar licenses. Uh, Lexi Ellis, who is my boss and supervisor, is the one that created uh, Into Freedom. Uh, she worked independently and then has taken on other counselors to join the group, as well as interns like myself. Um, the, the mission in my mind is um, similarly to the name is to invite people who are struggling into the freedom of, of their own choice and their own agency uh, in life, uh, really stressing that we don't downplay circumstances and how hard um, things and events are in people's life, but what we really stress is their agency to make a, a healthier choice within that and to enjoy the freedom of what they can do with what they've been given. So I would say that kind of sums up uh, the mission. And I think I've forgotten the third part of that question. Can who, you repeat Who are that? your customers, Jenny? Um, what does the demographic look like for the customers? It's a very uh, wide swath. Um, so it is mental health counseling, and it can be really anywhere from, uh, I'll, I'll say, low functioning of, you know, you need to learn better daily habits, such as, you know, how to eat and even drink water at different intervals or, or take medication. Um, so people who are, are very much struggling and just need daily skills all the way to, I would say, um, if you're familiar with Maslow's Triangle, which I'm guessing, I, I'm not sure. I don't remember when I learned about this, but it's basically a hierarchy of, of human need. And um, the bottom being the real essentials of food safety, um, kind of going up to belonging and identity and the top kind of, he calls it self-actualization. So I think it goes from really meeting, helping people to meet those basic needs all the way to, you know, maybe you're functioning in every area of your life, but you're realizing that your life lacks meaning. Um, and that can be extremely painful. Uh, and to the point of this interview, it kind of feels like you're back to square one of not knowing who you are. And so um, some clients just really need um, someone to reflect their, their thoughts and have that space to explore more deeply what their call in life is um, and, you know, a redirection, I guess. Thank you, Jenny.
Um, so pursuing this uh, licensure as a licensed professional counselor um, is not an overnight matter. Um, there is a huge <laughs> investment for you, right, to become mm -hmm. a licensed professional counselor. So can you give uh, students who might be watching this interview that perhaps are interested in pursuing this path, what are the skills, education, and experience uh, needed for you to qualify to be a licensed professional counselor? Yeah, so there are different avenues you can take, um, but the standard and, and necessary for, for licensure in this state would be that you need to have your bachelor's, um, your college education, and then you do need to have a master's in mental clinical health. Um, like I said, there's a woman from our counseling group that is a social worker, so that's another direction. It's also a master's. Uh, it has more of a focus on the social work aspect, so it would be more societal change, more, um, uh, I guess, lifestyle, life skills, whereas uh, licensed professional counselor is, is more uh, an individual to, to the outer system. Um, but similar similar goals uh, with mental health. So uh, bachelor's, uh, GED, and then once you get your graduate degree, and I'm in the midst of that currently, I'm in my last year, I've actually completed all my classes, so now I'm doing supervision. So within that master's program, there is built in, I would say, that this is across the board, uh, and I hope that it is across the board for a master's in this area that you should have a lot of exposure. Um, the school that I attend is Denver Seminary, and they actually um, recommend that you do practicum, which is your first experience counseling clients in your second semester, which feels very early, but their thinking behind that is similar to this the point of this interview that you need to know what is this actually like and to find out sooner rather than later if it isn't a fit for you. So you do that practicum, you, um, it's 64 credits um, of master's classes and then the internship which is the final piece um, breaks down to about 350 hours of being with clients doing indirect things, which is, uh, you know, case files, uh, learning how to work with insurance, which Lexi, my boss, has been amazing with. She has graduated from my same program uh, quite a bit, or I would say six or so years before me, and has really paved the road to how to uh, engage insurance, how to get on insurance boards, which in itself is quite a process. Uh, so to get to where I am, which I'm finishing up with, it is that bachelor's, graduate, internship, and then I will start what is called my candidate process. That is approximately two years, it's 2,000 more hours of direct service with clients uh, until I'm able to then qualify for full LPC status. Um, you also have two board exams, which I took preemptively because I wanted that piece to be done. So yeah, that's what it takes. That is a huge investment, right? Uh, yeah, in, it is. In your time and your resources and um, 
you know, and, and I'm actually, you know, from, from my personal perspective, I'm glad that there is such a <laughs> robust training process for people yes. in the mental health counseling field. Um, because you're doing really, really sensitive and important work. Yes, I, I agree. And I think the nature of the profession is that you are yourself the, the real tool. Um, and so that also requires, aside from education, quite a bit of self-work um, and a lot of introspection because the nature of the counseling relationship, because it's between two humans, your own personality, your own experience, your own values come into play. And a lot of the training is how, how do you reflect your client without, um, you want to bring yourself to the room, but you don't want to bring your agenda. And I think if any of us were honest with most conversations that we have, we usually have an agenda of what we're trying to get out of that. And so in order to step out of that role, um, and really just step into reflecting the world of the client, you have to have a lot of really, I would say inner peace, but, but a lot of inner work done that you aren't triggered by what your client is going through. Jenny Lunning, counseling intern at Into Freedom Counseling. Thank you so much for sharing your career story. Uh, we really appreciate it, Thank you. Uh, teachers and students. Stand by after a quick break. We will uh, do the informational interview in part two. Thanks again, Jenny. Thank you. Welcome back, teachers and students, to part two of our interview with Jenny Lunning, a counseling intern at Into Freedom Counseling. Jenny, thank you again for donating some of your time today. Thank you. This is great. Yeah, so part one was your career story. Now let's talk a little bit about what a day in the life looks like for you as a counseling intern at Into Freedom. What, what does that look like for you today? So what that looks like for me is uh, the prep work for that uh, is, of course, uh, the coursework that I've, that I've mentioned that I am not currently in a course, but I'm always reading something uh, in, in preparation for clients. So before I see a client, they will fill out an intake form, and that gives me a good sense of their presenting issue. So if I have a day where I have a new client, there's a lot more prep work than clients that I've been seeing for a while. So with a new client, that looks like reading their intake and then really sitting with the information of, um, you know, what they're coming with to really take a conceptual framework from psychological research. So I would say my natural inclination is attachment theory, uh, which has to do with the initial attachment you formed with your mom or your primary caregiver. And so I find that a lot of presenting problems can be rooted in those things uh, ultimately. So maybe that would be my conceptual framework. So I'm thinking around that and not just the concept, but then I begin to think about um, so there's basically three things, the concept. Um, the other thing that I think about is approaches and skills. So just things that I could do with them that are more tangible exercises, not only in session, but exercises and strategies I can give to them. Uh, say they're presenting problem that is anxiety. 
then we can work around some guided imagery and some breathing exercises that they can take home that, that day uh, to really manage their symptoms. Uh, so new clients, oh, and then the third thing is the person of the counselor uh, that I think about. So if there are things in their story that might trigger things from my own life or my own story, I really try to do work internally with that so that I can go into a session with freshness uh, for, for them and not um, really any inferences or prior knowledge of what I think they're going to be like because of these issues. So I really try to come with that clean slate of listening to their story and let them be the expert on, on what they're going through. So the preparation is around those three things for new clients. For clients I've been seeing for a while, um, I will look at the chart that I made in the last session and bring to remembrance the things that we had done in that session so that I know where we're going to start um, in that session. So that pre-work, I would say it's about an hour before I see clients is kind of getting ready for the day. And the way that my day is set up right now is I have two fairly full days. Um, and I've set that up because as I've mentioned right now, I do have young children. So my husband and I share that. Um, you know, responsibility of being there for school pickup and, and things like that. So it's worked best for me to have two pretty stacked days. So right now there are, I would say 70% of my clients are telehealth clients due to COVID. So it either looks like me turning on my computer, similarly to this Zoom session, um, and my clients get a protected link where they will then see me face-to-face, -face, either telehealth or they will directly come into my office. Um, those sessions are 55 minutes, and um, I usually try to structure them with first asking the client if there's something that you know is, is burning on them uh, to talk about. Um, if not, then we go back to our treatment plan, uh, which uh, I design for each client usually about the third or fourth session, we start working on a, a treatment plan, which is essentially what will happen in your life that will tell you you're ready to be done with counseling. And that's what, that's what guides our process is, are we staying on track with those, with those goals? So I'll meet with clients. And then for each session, there's about 15 minutes approximately of uh, chart work that I do and that's very structured around the ways that they've presented um, physically emotionally mentally um, some notes about what we talked about some strategies I used in the session the way the, the client received those uh, strategies uh, and then I move on to the next client um, and then underlying all of that is my my personal uh, growth and learning uh, if I come up against something, which again, as a learner, I do almost daily, and think I need to know more about that uh, before I use this skill or this concept, then my afternoons and nights will often be reading, you know, books, uh, learning more about my trade. Jenny, let's talk about, um technical skills and soft skills. What would you say are the top two or three um, 
skills in each of those categories. And, you know, on the soft skill side, we're talking about uh, empathy and communication and collaboration, things of that sort. And then the technical skill side is pretty uh, self-evident. What would you say are the top two or three in each of those categories that you need to, to kind of deploy on a daily basis to be successful? Yeah, technical skills go back to, I would say, the, the concepts and, and the approaches of uh, what theory I'm coming from. Uh, so it's important for me not to just know the skills of that theory, but to also know the why behind that, because otherwise um, there really isn't anything about counseling that's purely technical. It's very much a soft science where the soft skills come in even on the, the technicalities because if you are rotely trying a strategy or a skill with a client and they don't sense that you are with them or that you are for them, they likely won't respond well. Uh, so they're very intertwined, I would say, uh, the soft and, and the technical skills. Uh, so the soft skills, uh, you mentioned empathy and that is a foundational skill in counseling. And I would say uh, where the challenge is in that skill is the line between empathy and sympathy. And empathy is about keeping yourself separate from the client. Um, and what I mean by that is I wanna be able to be empathic for, for a trouble or a hardship that they're going through. But if I get in that boat, in that sympathy of feeling like they do, then I have now put the burden on them to take care of me in that issue. So it's a very uh, intricate uh, dance of, yes, I want you to know that I'm feeling for you, but I am also separate from you and you are separate from me. And this session is about you. This session is about me supporting and being healthy and being strong and fully present for whatever you need. And so that is a huge soft skill that's necessary. Um, I would say the other soft skill that comes to my mind um, is, I, I kind of mentioned this and, and it's a little nuanced, but really the presence of, of the counselor, the, the ability to be fully present in a session. I mentioned in my training that a lot of this work is done in your own personal counseling uh, in realizing that as a person we're very distracted by our own life uh, and so a part of my work in being present um, a part of maybe that hour that I prepare for clients is maybe I'm having these life things that are coming up or even grocery lists or whatever is popping into my mind that's distracting I'll try to write those things down to try to just put those off until later um, and to really be present in what my client is is bringing um, and a part of that presence is really also being myself uh, not trying to put on a professional posture uh, but but to bring myself into the room in a way that will be helpful and engaging um, to the therapeutic alliance with my clients. Jenny, what would you say, uh, if you could pick one thing um, that you like most about your job, what is that? I love hearing people's stories. Uh, this is kind of a funny thing about me, and maybe 
CMI. But I remember growing up during the Christmas season, especially when houses are lit up from inside and it's dark and thinking I would look through windows, not to be voyeuristic, but to think, I wonder what that person's life is like. And that's a big part of, of my job is I get the honor and the privilege to hear intimately the stories of people's lives and not just the outer appearance of those things, but what does it feel like to be them? And what a beautiful opportunity to just see not only how different people tick and what drives them, but uh, really the endurance of the human spirit uh, is my favorite thing. I will have people come in with stories that I don't know how they get up and breathe in and out every day. And I am constantly encouraged by the ways uh, that we figure out as humans how not only to survive, but we have a drive to, to thrive. So I love, I love witnessing that. Jenny, what do you like most about working with Inner Freedom Counseling? I would say, well, Lexi, uh, who is my supervisor, is the one I see, definitely see the most. Um, because of COVID, because of the way office hours are, I'm not with other interns as much. But the time I get to spend with her is, is one, of, one of the highlights for me. Uh, part of that is she just models with her life um, all of the things that I've talked about doing your own work, really trying to be present with clients, um, excellence in, in service, uh, really being detailed about notes, uh, which is very important to making sure that you are moving forward with clients. So I really love training under her because not only does she have the soft skills that I talked about that are of utmost importance, but she has all the technical skills that are necessary to run a business um, and to bolster the ability to be present in a room. Uh, if you've got everything worked out that it, the way it should be with insurance, then you do just get to do the work that's necessary with the therapeutic alliance. Jenny, uh, being mindful of the fact that not uh, uh, all jobs are just rainbows and unicorns all day long. <laughs> Is there yeah. anything about what you're doing now um, that is you find frustrating or perhaps unsatisfactory, or maybe it's just a task that you don't like to do that you need to do? What does that look like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think sometimes writing notes can feel like a task. I'm always grateful in the next session that I've written things down, but it can feel a little tedious. Um, and again, I love the face-to-face. -face. So anything that's face-to-face -face is much more invigorating for me. Um, there's a natural frustration, I think, with counseling that I've had to deal with internally that I don't like seeing other people in pain. Um, I don't like things taking a really long time. I, I love to see breakthrough, um, of course. But some of the most important work happens when I allow people to sit in that pain um, that other avenues in their life or other relationships don't, won't allow for that process. So I love that process. And sometimes I really don't, don't like um, how long it takes. Uh, the other thing would be insurance. 
that is just, I know, a constant battle for um, the woman who works with us and does billing. Uh, I just would love to see there being more mental health allowance in every insurance plan uh, and to really the preventative counseling that can happen when insurance companies are willing to put money behind that. So that can be frustrating uh, when clients are not getting the help they need financially to enable their ability to stay in counseling. Jenny, what does the career ladder look like for you? I know um, you've got some steps still to go through as LPCC and then licensure and all that. What does is, what is the next 10 years look like as a career ladder uh, if you were to progress in a linear fashion as a counselor? What does that look like? You know, that can go a lot of different directions. Um, and I'm still at this point a little unsure where that will go uh, for me. Like you mentioned, I'll finish my internship and then begin my 2000 supervised hours um, towards my LPC. So that that will need to happen but the avenue for that um, could be that you stay where you intern um, it could also be going into private practice uh, i have a very good friend who i've walked alongside as a mentor who is now an lpcc uh, and we have talked about starting our own private practice in the future uh, another avenue uh, that i would be interested in because of my particular uh, path is teaching. So I am interested in the psychoeducation piece and find myself doing that in sessions. Sometimes I have to hold back a bit because I'm a teacher. Uh, so I could see um, teaching classes um, at a university uh, in the future. Uh, you could also go a different direction into research with uh, going and getting a PhD uh, in that arena. I, I can't foresee going back to school right now because I'm just finishing that, uh, but I am very also very interested in research. So that could be a direction that I go. Um, also, as I mentioned with, with Young Life, my husband and I are not with that organization anymore, but we do a lot of spiritual mentoring and I have led uh, women's and co-ed retreats where they're speaking and and again, a lot of confluence uh, between psychology and spirituality and how we grow um, in those places. And so I love doing day retreats too. So those are some of my future thoughts. I don't know that it's really um, stepping up uh, into some sort of a ladder. I think uh, a lot of it is just growing and seeing you know, where it goes at, as a business. Excellent. Jenny, can you, um, you know, we've talked a lot about exposure in part one of our interview. Um, can you suggest ways that that one high school student out there watching this interview who's inspired perhaps to take the next steps uh, to become an LPC? Uh, what is that, uh, suggest ways for that high school student to gain exposure to and experience in your field? What, what would you suggest to that student? I would suggest, um, I, you know, firstly, I, I don't know that there's a lot set in, in motion for high schoolers to get a glimpse of this, um, you know, where they can come in. The, the nature of the intimacy of sessions 
and um, confidentiality makes it really hard to fit in on sessions. But what I would recommend is, is to find someone um, in your life that is in this profession and ask if you can have an hour of their time um, to really take, take them out to, to coffee and really ask them some of the similar questions that we're talking about, what they love, um, maybe even their particular route to get there. Uh, a big part of my story, as you heard, was also volunteering. I know there are lots of opportunities um, because mentoring others is so similar to to this profession that there might be you know opportunities in that realm where you could just begin walking alongside someone younger than you or who's going through something that you've been through before um, and and kind of helping just support them through that uh, would be another tangible way and students, um, if you're, uh, as you're watching this interview, you're watching it at ppbea.org on the website uh, for experiential learning in the Pikes Peak region. Jenny has also made herself available just to do just that, uh, where you would be able to connect with her for an hour or so and do an informational interview and find out uh, what she likes and doesn't like about her job and everything that goes into being a, uh, a licensed professional counselor. Um, there are also hundreds of other interviews on the website that you can view in various occupations, along with job shadows and informational interviews, and in some cases, internships, uh, where students can actually get course credit for uh, conducting certain trainings. So, Jenny, thank you for that information. Yeah. Uh, Jenny, are you comfortable talking about uh, your financial investment in your education and the um, the wages that you'll make as a licensed counselor? Are you willing to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, so students, before we get into this conversation, do know that uh, mental health counseling is a high demand occupation in our economy. Um, whether you're a licensed social worker or a licensed counselor or a psychologist, um, all of these careers are in very high demand in our economy. So Jenny, can you talk a little bit to a high school student out there right now who's perhaps thinking about going to college to pursue your same path, how you've made decisions with regard to investing in your education and the payoff that you'll see on the back end? What does that look like for you? Yeah, so um, my family kind of decided that the way that we would approach paying for my graduate program would really be that we were going to cut back financially in a lot of ways. And so it has been a team effort from my family to forego a lot of um, niceties so that we could pay as I go. That has been hard um, and on this end has feels very good. Um, I would say the output um, all in is about $40,000. Uh, as I mentioned, I did it over five years, and so that split up our payments quite a bit. Um, and moving forward, there will continue to be the cost of, um, you know, business cost, or uh, there is required uh, learning that you have to do to re-up your license. So those things will be output financially. But I would say um, there's a real sliding scale to what you can make and what you earn even hourly. Each insurance has 
set their own uh, session fee, and they vary wildly. Uh, I would say between um, 60 and 110 um, for insurance. Uh, and then what goes into that with insurance is um, quite a bit of legwork. So either you would have to do that yourself or you would need to hire someone and think about uh, what would be going into their salary to take care of that piece for you. Um, in private practice, that can range uh, wildly as well. Um, I have friends who have started out at 70 um, and then others that can go all the way to you know 175 um, an hour. I think a lot of that just is demand um, your own you know experience. It would also I would um, guess be determined by where you live um, and what the cost of living is in that area. But the expenses um, are again going to be billing. Um, the expenses of private practice would be renting your own space. Um, there's also a necessity, I would say almost everywhere, to have a HIPAA compliant uh, web-based program, especially now with COVID, you need to have the flexibility, um, not just with exposure to that, but also when people, there's weather and people can't get to where you are you need to have an option where they can see you from their computer screen. And that's a monthly expense um, as well. Jenny, um, that concludes the difficult part of our interview. What, uh, what do you like to do in your free time when you're not going to school or seeing clients or doing supervision? What does that look like? So I love running. Um, and that has been something that has not been taken away by quarantine or other things, which has been a huge gift. Um, of course, spending time with my family. Uh, we love to play games, um, you know, go on walks. Um, yeah, just really have family dinners. Uh, that's huge in our family, just kind of getting to sit around at the end of the day and say, what was your high today? What was the best thing that happened? What's something you learned? Um, so that's really important to me. I love reading. Um, again, I am passionate about the endurance of the human spirit. So I will often have books that my husband will laugh about them being slightly depressing. Um, but I see them as stories of people who have really hard circumstances and overcome them. I'm reading Man's Search for Meaning right now, uh, which I highly recommend. Um, and so I love reading about World War II, um, but basically about, you know, overcoming hard things is the theme. I will echo that recommendation, A Man's Search for Meaning by uh, Viktor Frankl. It is an amazing book. Jenny, do you have any other book recommendations for students that would kind of expose them to um, your world? Yeah, um, a lot of things come to mind. Um, Schopenhauer's Cure was the one I really enjoyed. Uh, one that I just recently read that is written very well, so it reads a little more like uh, a story, is called The Hidden Valley Road. Um, and it's a family that grew up in Colorado uh, with 12 children, six of which were uh, diagnosed with schizophrenia. And that book reads like a story but it also 
gives a lot of background on how uh, schizophrenia is approached clinically and, and really the history of how they've approached that. And it's, it's fascinating. Another great book is uh, The Road Less Traveled. Yeah, um, by Loved F. Scott that one. Peck. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It actually, um, uh, he was a psychologist, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really great one. And anything by Irvin Yalom. Um, he's a more contemporary group uh, counselor and has written textbooks, but also like Schopenhauer's Cure and things that are more fictionalized that kind of give you an idea of what it feels like to be in counseling or to, and to be a counselor. Jenny, what do you want to be when you grow up now? Oh, that's a great question. I, I think I, um, I'm really have put aside a lot of my speaking that I did while I was staying at home um, at retreats and things and would love to invest more into that avenue. And Jenny, any final experience or comments you'd like to share with that high school student out there who's inspired by your story? Yeah, I think I would go back to what I would say to myself, which is, um, number one, grace for yourself really matters. Um, but also a reminder of what Bob said earlier of people being willing to share their stories and I, I would encourage you to tell an adult you trust um, uh, what you need, uh, to, to really try to be vulnerable and to reach out for what you need um, and find someone who maybe they aren't in a you know, profession you're interested in, but someone who can be a, a cheerleader for you. Because I suppose coming from the mental health profession, I really see how the bolstering of, of your personal courage and um, passion really needs cheerleaders and, and support. Jenny Lunning, counseling intern at Into Freedom Counseling. It's been just an honor and a pleasure to hear your story today. Thank you so much Thank for uh, sharing that experience with the next generation. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Everyone Has a Story podcast. We hope the experience shared today in the career story and informational interview may benefit you as you make educational and career choices. If you would like to learn more about the Business and Education Alliance and how we are working with education and industry to connect students' talents, interests, and aptitudes to the world of work, please go to businessandeducationalliance.org.